0: Hey, Post Reports listeners. Here in Washington, D.C., at least, it's getting colder and darker, and we're working on an episode about how to avoid the winter blues. If you have a strategy to share, please send us a voice memo to postreports at washpost.com. We appreciate the ones we've gotten already, and we can't wait to get more. Include your name and where you're calling from, and you might hear yourself on the show. Okay, now on to today's episode. So
1: Michael, lately my mailbox has been overflowing with junk mail, and we are approaching holiday season, so all of those glossy catalogs are out in full force, and I'm wondering, what do you see in your mail these days?
2: So I feel like I've seen everything. I get credit card offers from Chase, Southwest, American Express, I get grocery coupons from stores I've never heard of, Uh, definitely catalogs for furniture that I'll never buy, Uh, a plea to go on a princess cruise, uh, 30% off I buy direct contact lenses, uh, select home warranties, and something from the barbecue guys that I'm still trying to figure out.
0: That's my colleague Abba Bhattarai, talking with climate coach Michael Corrin.
2: I am the climate advice columnist for The Washington Post, otherwise known as the climate coach.
0: And like a lot of Americans, he's been dealing with what I think is a pretty universally annoying phenomenon. Junk mail. Tons of it, piling up in people's physical mailboxes.
2: So I've been getting mountains of mail over the course of years, sometimes more, sometimes less. But it's a pretty steady stream, Uh, you know, pieces every day, every few days. um, And it's credit card offers and coupons and catalogs I never asked for or ordered. And it all just went straight into the recycling bin. Um, Or if I was tricked, which it sometimes was, uh, I would just open it up and then put it in the recycling bin.
1: Um, What do you mean when you say that you were tricked into opening this mail? I mean, is it not always obvious that it's junk mail that you're dealing with?
2: That's right. Sometimes these envelopes are just white, blank envelopes without a return address or even a logo. And so just by either curiosity or (laughs) avoiding the worst, I need to open them and check. And of course, they're trying to sell me something.
0: So Michael decided to do something about it. From the newsroom of The Washington Post, this is Post Reports. I'm your guest host, Allison Michaels. It's Thursday, December 7th. Today, we are talking about junk mail. Abba and Michael are digging into why we get so much of it, the climate impacts, and what to do if you want to stop it in its tracks.
1: So Michael, what made you decide to start looking into this and tracking what was coming in?
2: I think for a lot of people like myself, it's annoying. Um, it's also, in my opinion, very expensive, uh, both in time and aggravation and resources. So I just thought the sheer amount of stuff that was being consumed to ship me all this stuff I never wanted was offensive, essentially. And I really wanted it to stop. So uh, I tried to find out a way I could.
1: So you're the climate coach. And I know a lot of times when we think about junk mail, You know, it's something we might glance at, we might not. We just throw it straight away a lot of times. Why was this important for you to think about from a climate perspective?
2: Well, you know, obviously we all have our experience of getting a lot of mail. On average, there's some estimates of about 41 pounds of junk mail delivered to every person in the U.S. Um, But that translates into an enormous amount of paper, um, and not to mention energy and materials that go into making and transporting it. So there's a a rough estimate that uh, Americans are getting about 63 billion catalogs and postcards and other junk mail every year. Um, Although mail volumes peaked in 2011— the junk mail has continued almost unabated. So at this point, about 62% of household mail is junk mail. You know, paper is also quite resource intensive. So we're cutting down hundreds of millions of trees to feed the paper supply. And that requires a lot of energy and chemicals to turn them into pulp and then deliver them to your house. And so companies have created this huge demand for junk mail. Um, but it's not really serving a lot of people. So it seemed like a, a clear area where there was a good environmental win and a win for people as well.
1: And on the flip side of that, what what does it take to collect and dispose of this junk mail?
2: Yeah, it's a great question. You know, we, we think about Trash or recycling as something that you know we have to pay for, um, but in fact, this is a problem being created by companies that's being dumped on us quite literally, actually. And so, for cities and counties, they're spending you know more than a billion dollars a year to collect and dispose of junk mail, according to some of the estimates that I that I found. And so, not only is that very expensive, it's very wasteful, and there's this concept that's coming out that. Um, manufacturers or distributors, when they create packaging for the things that you buy, they actually have some level of responsibility for them. So rather than dumping the cost of disposing or recycling that on cities and ultimately taxpayers and the public, they have to actually either create packaging that's easily disposed of or recycled or pay for the cleanup. And so already many states have implemented some version of that, and it looks like it's going to become probably some, something close to a national standard in the next 10 to 20 years.
1: Okay, so why, why do we get so much junk mail here in the United States, and how did we get to this point?
2: Well, great question. So <laughs> no one exactly asked for it, but there's two reasons. One is junk mail is a lifeline for the post office. So it started off in the 1880s as third-class mailing, so this is bulk mail, and about 301 million pieces were sent, Um, but that was really just the tip of the iceberg. So by 1930, about six billion pieces were being sent, and obviously that's just a tiny fraction of the total today. And the reason that the post office is so dependent on it is that in Congress in 1970, taxpayer dollars were withdrawn from the agency after a law basically directed the post office to act like a business by covering its cost. And what that did was it actually forced the post office into a difficult position because a lot of what it did just isn't profitable. And this is delivering mail all across the United States. Congress also required it to cover the cost of sending mail to places that weren't profitable. So these are far-flung rural areas. So that meant that it had to plug a giant hole in its budget. And so to plug the hole in its budget it actually started to offer marketers very favorable terms and programs to bring in more marketing mail into the system. And although they get a discount per piece of mail, the amount of mail that they were able to send just exploded. And so that led to an enormous increase as well in marketing mail to this point where uh, today you get more marketing mail than than mail from friends and just other people, as you might have noticed. Wow. So the second reason is that it works. It sounds crazy, but about 11% of people respond to the junk mail they get. And not only that, you have to read it when you get it, or you at least have to hold it and touch it. And so it's an effective way for marketers to actually get something into your hands, whether you like it or not. Um, And they're spending about $225 per person in the United States on direct mail advertising per year. Um, So both it works and it funds the post Office because we aren't willing to fund it with taxpayer dollars.
1: So you're saying the postal system would literally collapse if they weren't <laughs> sending out our junk mail.
2: It would be in even more dire straits than it is at the moment, uh, saving for the fact that if Congress didn't step in and actually fund it as a public service.
1: So the Postal Service is getting paid by marketers to send us all this junk mail. But even besides the money involved here, why do this to people? A lot of us, like you've mentioned, just throw it away or recycle it or compost it. How does this help those businesses?
2: Well. You know, the the post office estimates about two thirds of households actually read or scan their email. So with a lot of other avenues like social um, social media advertising and television, either on the decline or quite expensive, direct mail is actually a pretty efficient way to get your products into people's hands, or at least your, your advertising. Um, and since people respond, they keep sending it out. Um, so even if you're not the one doing it, you can thank your neighbors who do as the reason you get more of it.
1: Do you have a sense of what that response, like how they're measuring that response? Is it people who directly go to a company's website or buy something? How are they measuring that?
2: Great question. So the post office actually does a survey every year of households' uh, behavior, a diary essentially, and they found that 11% say they respond to those mailers. And when you talk to direct marketers, they actually have a specific number about how profitable or what the return on investment, they call it, on sending these out. And it's quite attractive relative to a lot of advertising channels.
0: Wow. After the break, Abba and Michael talk about how to stop this seemingly never-ending stream in your mailbox. We'll be right back.
1: All right, so let's get into the ways that you tried to stop your junk mail. What did you do, and how did you find these tricks in the first place?
2: Well, um, of course, I I spent a lot of time on the internet, um, but I I made a lot of phone calls. So people have had this problem far worse than me, um, and they've tried every trick in the book. Um, So I was able to narrow it down to three things. The first one is, luckily, uh, in the last couple of years, there have been what essentially amount to do not mail lists have been created, um, partially by, by statute. And the first one is called dmachoice.org. And it's run by the Association of National Advertisers. And basically, it's a service that lets you stop delivery of catalogs and magazine offers and just other junk items from national brands. In theory, they say this will stop about eighty percent of promotional offers, and a lot of people have had success stopping a lot of that mail. Um, it's not free; you can register online for about four bucks, or by mail for five dollars, and that stops everything for about ten years. And you can also do this as uh, uh, for a deceased relative, or you can even do it for some electronic spam. Uh, and it was great; it took about five minutes, and while it's not instantaneous, I believe I've started to see a decline from that. The second thing is to stop credit card insurance offers. And these are basically these pre-screened offers you get from credit card companies that say, you know, you've already been approved. And um, not only are they annoying and wasteful, but they are also put you at risk for fraud in case someone mails it in for you and claims it. Um, so you can opt out. And based on the 1996 Fair Credit and Reporting Act... They created something called optoutprescreen.com. It's run by the major credit card agencies, um, and you can call them or you can go online and you can fill out a permanent opt-out election form. And that basically lets you not have them contact you with any of those offers. So that covers a lot of these offers, but not all of them. And so to get to the individual offers that people are sending, um, you need to do something that essentially allows you to pick a specific company and then take your name off their list. And there's two choices. One's free. It's called catalogchoice.org. It's a nonprofit organization. It's a list of about 10,000 businesses and charities. And you can go in their website, pick one and take your name off. It's free. It's fast, but it's not totally the most convenient or the most comprehensive. And so for that, I went to an app called Paper Karma. It's uh, $25 for, for a monthly plan. It's only $3.99, Three ninety nine, dollars uh, and you just basically take a photo of an envelope with the name of the brand, and then they go ahead and figure out what that is. Sometimes they don't get it right. You have to manually select what the company is, and then they automatically take you off the list. It's not perfect, but they act like a concierge service. So they actually make phone calls and try to help solve the, uh, the tough cases.
1: How well did all of these systems work for you, and what has happened to the volume of junk mail that you're receiving now?
2: Well, it's, it's a work in progress. I would say, hey, my mail has gone down significantly. It has not stopped. Um, and all of these companies warn that it can take weeks, sometimes even months for your name to come off these lists. And so it will probably not be until the end of the year that I start to see a big decline. But I should also mention there are some loopholes here. If you contact a business or buy something, they can contact you if it's within the last year or two, I believe. And um, charities will often sell your name. And so you show up on new lists. And you can't stop uh, political mailers, like candidates sending you political mail. That's protected by the First Amendment. And the post office will still blast your mailbox with local mailers. So these are like coupons and local businesses, things that say to current resident. So you can't stop at all. But so far, so good.
1: Okay. So even if people try all of these tips that you've mentioned, they're not going to be junk mail free, but the good thing is that their mailbox will be a lot lighter and they'll be saving
2: trees. That's right. Um, The only thing that I've heard has worked completely is someone tipped their postman $100 uh, (laughs) a year and they never got another piece of junk mail, but I can't can't endorse that.
1: (laughs) So that's somebody else who's recycling it for you.
2: Maybe. I would just say that, like, you know, it's it's worth the effort. There's only it, it only took me maybe 10 minutes to sign up for all of these services. And over time, I've only spent maybe another 15 or 20 minutes and I've been able to reduce or even stop most of my junk mail. So it was a great investment.
1: Fantastic. I just tried it last night. So we'll see how it works for me. Let me know. Thanks so much, Michael.
2: Thank you. It's great to be here.
0: Michael Corrin is a climate coach for The Post. He writes a newsletter about how to live life for a better planet. He spoke with my colleague Abba Badarai. That's it for Post Reports. Thanks for listening. This episode was produced by Taylor White and edited by Rena Flores. And before you go, one way to support the work we do here on Post Reports and the work of The Washington Post, plus get advice from people like Michael Corrin regularly, you should subscribe to The Post. You can do so at WashingtonPost.com slash subscribe. I'm Allison Michaels. We'll be back tomorrow with more stories from The Washington Post.